Good morning, and welcome to worship. It's good to see you all here. Ah, whether you're joining us here in the sanctuary or whether you're joining us from home, we're glad you're with us. It is a blessing for us all to be able to join together as family, the family of God, to be together and to worship our Lord and Savior, and to thank God for all that he has provided us. I loved the music today, guys. Thank you so much. Both of those songs spoke to my heart. Uh, in case you don't know who I am, if you're new here today, I'm Pastor Ann, and I am blessed and honored to serve alongside Pastor Andy here at The Way, where we are committed to sharing in hope, living with purpose for the sake of others. As we continue our series on the 10 words of life, I feel like it's important to do a, a little quick review. Word 10 from Exodus 20:17 was about coveting. And we were challenged to move from envy to contentment. Word 9, Exodus 20, 16, was about not giving false witness, and we were challenged to move from deception to truth-telling. Word 8, Exodus 20, 15, was about not stealing, and the challenge was to move from theft to generosity. All three of these words are social in character, involving the community of God. God knows what is good for us, and he knows what is bad for us, both individually and collectively. His commandments were given to us to save us and others from the heartache and the suffering that comes from following our own selfish desires. Today's message is from betrayal to fidelity, and it's based on the seventh word. While still involving the community of God, this one gets a little more personal. So let's hear from the word of God from Exodus 20, 14. You shall not commit adultery. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Dear most gracious God, we ask that you be with us today, that we hear your word loud and clear, that we hear through these do nots, Lord, that you really are extending your love to us. You do know what's best for us, Lord, and so we, um, we sometimes ignore that. But today, Lord, help us to know that um, regardless of when we ignore You're there when we turn back to you to heal and to bring restoration. So, Lord, we we give this day and this time to you. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us. And it is in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray. Amen. In our country, almost half of all marriages end in divorce. And many of those may be from the result of infidelity when one spouse breaks the marriage covenant and becomes sexually involved with another person other than the person that they're married to. I found myself reflecting, though, that in order for this to happen, those three words that we've already reflected on are all involved here. Coveting, deception, and stealing. 
Even if you have not experienced this personally, some of you probably know someone who has. This message may bring back painful memories, those memories that, of, of others that suffered through this. I know they have for me personally. You see, my first marriage was one of those statistics. Now, there are all kinds of reasons and justifications that people can give for adultery. In Matthew 19, when, Jesus, when the Pharisees come to Jesus and they ask him why Moses commanded that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce when he sent her away, Jesus replied in verse 8 by saying, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard, but it was not this way in the beginning. And that is the bottom line hardened hearts. I fought personally hard to understand what was going on, to be honest with myself and my spouse, to forgive and to save that marriage. But in, because infidelity doesn't have to end a marriage, but both spouses have to be willing to fight for that relationship. And as far as my ex-husband was concerned, there wasn't much of a relationship to fight for. We had allowed life to distract us, and we'd not made time to nurture our relationship as we should have. And he had allowed what had begun as a friendship and supportive relationship with a co-worker who was going through some difficult times to develop into an affair. It was not something that I would have ever dreamed would have happened. We had made a commitment to one another, and I trusted him. We had two precious little boys who would be impacted. And children are resistant and they're uh, resilient. Thank you. That's the word I'm looking for. Thank you. Children are resilient and they do survive. But no matter how much parents try to protect them, their hearts are affected when their world is shaken by divorce. There are many losses that occur when a marriage fails, but perhaps the greatest loss is being able to trust again. I can tell you that that was one of the most difficult times of my life. But I can also tell you that God was right there with me because I realized in the midst of that, part of the problem was God was not in our marriage. He was not the focus of our marriage. And I can tell you that as a result of what happened, I went running to him, and he showed up. And I can also tell you that regardless of all the pain and all the emotions that were involved in being betrayed, God can heal and he can restore. And for any of you who know somebody or if you've experienced this yourself, this may bring up some stuff for you today. And if it does, feel free to call me. I will gladly talk with you in detail about how to allow God's restoration to happen. Don't hesitate to call me. God knew what he was talking about when he said, do not commit adultery. From Matthew 19, verses 4 to 6, Jesus gives us God's intention for marriage. Haven't you read, he replied, this is when the Pharisees have, you know, they're they're questioning him about divorce. 
And he said, haven't you read that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. So let's put that into perspective as we think about sexual intimacy. There shall no longer be two, but one flesh. Whenever a person gives their body to another, there is a connection, not just a physical connection, though. It's a connection at the heart and soul level, and that's how God designed it to be. No longer two, but one flesh. There's a reason God wants us to reserve sex for marriage and marriage for life. If we were to choose multiple sexual partners, we would simply be giving a part of ourselves, our hearts and our souls, away to each sexual partner that we might have. Without God's healing grace, this would make it very, very difficult for us to truly love anyone, including God, ourselves, or a spouse with all of our heart and soul. God designed marriage to be a covenantal relationship, a binding promise between a man and a woman. It was to be within the security of this mutual, lifelong commitment of marriage that both marriages and children could flourish. Within the marriage relationship, we learn what it means to truly love and cherish one another. Traditional marriage vows contain these words, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish till death do us part. Now, I've been to weddings, and some of you may have too, where the couple have written their own vows, and these words are not included. I found myself wondering why. Is it because divorce is so prevalent in our society and that we are commitment-phobic and that they wanted to allow themselves to have an escape clause? Or is it because they don't fully understand God's intention for marriage? Many of us think of marriage as that place where we get our needs met. What if it's not, though, just about our needs? What if marriage is truly, really, the training ground where we learn what it means to truly love another person, our neighbor as ourself? Joan Titister, a Benedictine nun, has this to say about the seventh word in marriage. You shall not commit adultery is the word that calls us to truly care about the people we say we love. Not to use them, not to exploit them, not to ignore them, not to patronize them, not to manipulate them for the sake of our own satisfaction. Yet this is so countercultural. Maybe the reason the divorce rate is no different for Christians than for the general population is because our understanding of sex and marriage is shaped more by the culture than by scripture. Marriage as God designed it is hard work. It's not about 
everything coming easy. There will be difficult seasons. But it's about learning to give of yourself. It's about self-denial and it's about selflessness. And this is the exact opposite of the messages we receive from our culture. Marriage is about learning to honor our differences and learning to cherish our spouses, our spouse, warts and all. The main character of Gladding's book, John, the book that we're basing this series on, he puts it this way. My wife and I stopped about talking about making love, which sounded like we were about to construct something. And we started talking about growing love, nurturing our love, tending to each other, not thinking of sex as an end in itself, but as part of the fabric of our relationship. Marriage is truly about learning to love another as we love ourselves. In John 8, 2 to 11, we have the story of the woman who was caught in adultery. And the Pharisees are bringing her to Jesus. And they're saying, the law says we should stone this woman. Jesus says to them, the one who is without sin, throw the first stone. And then he kneels down and he writes in the dust. And we're not told what he writes. We can only imagine. But he just keeps writing in the dust. And as he writes, one by one, they walk away as they realize that they too have been unfaithful. They've been unfaithful to God with their various sins. They're not so different from the woman. They too have given themselves to things that took away their integrity. They too have given themselves away to things that have promised freedom only to find themselves in bondage. They, too, have been selfish, self-centered, and self-absorbed. The deepest truth about ourselves as human beings is that we were created to love and to be loved by God. God placed within each of us that desire to be loved, to feel connected to something, to feel affirmed and accepted just the way we are. And he wants to meet that need for each one of us. Yet we tend to look for this need to be met in all the wrong places. The ending to the story of the woman caught in adultery illustrates the love that God has for us. After all the accusers leave, Jesus turns to the woman and asks, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And the woman answers, No one, sir. Then Jesus says, then neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. Jesus is pointing her in a different direction toward God. He knows the life that she has been leading will never satisfy her desire to be loved. It's like he's saying to her, you've been looking in the wrong place. Don't give your heart away to things of this world, things that can never satisfy. Let God's love embrace your heart. Let him free you from false idols. The actions of Jesus demonstrate for us that the heart of the matter is this. 
God is concerned about broken hearts, not broken rules. Jesus offers the way to be washed clean of past sin, walk in this direction, follow me. 1 Corinthians 6 reminds us that we're all included with those Pharisees. And some and such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Our God offers us a new beginning, living from a, a clean, pure heart. So what do we do with all this? Well, first we remember that marriage is a covenant made between two people. Whether you're single or you're married, honor that covenant. Guard your heart and recognize situations where you might be tempted. Think of Joseph in um, Potiphar's house and how his wife goes after him, pursuing him. And what does he do? He flees. And that's what God says for us to do. James 4, 7 reminds us that we're, where temptation comes from and what to do when it arises. First, we're to submit ourselves to God. Then we are to resist the devil and he will flee from you. And then verse 8 reminds us, come near to God and he will come near to you. If you're married, nurture your relationship. Spend time with each other. Share your hearts with one another. Never forget to cherish each other. Practice forgiveness. Love God and love each other. Seek godly guidance if needed. If you know someone who's going through this, be supportive. Listen. Try not to take sides, although your support may be lopsided. Share God's love with them and remind them that they're not alone. It was interesting this past week. I met with a friend that I hadn't seen in years. But she was a friend that when I went through my divorce, she was there for me. She was how God showed up the first time for me through this girl. She was there. She, I could call her at any time of the day or night. And she was there. And she spoke about God to me. And she represented God to me. So don't leave people alone. Let them know that they have someone to walk with them. If you're going through this, don't try to do it alone. You know, so many times we think that we've got to be strong and we've got to do things by ourselves, regardless of what the struggle is. But you don't have to do it alone. Seek God and again, seek godly counsel. Jesus came to bind up the broken heart, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners and to comfort all who mourn. And that's from Isaiah 61. And then most important of all, may we remember God's covenant with us. Even when we are unfaithful to God, when we fail to follow his guidance, he is always ready to forgive us when we repent and turn back from him to him. It really is an issue of the heart. God's heart is that he wants us to fully receive his love. And it is in the relationship with the one who created us for love 
that we can experience our heart's desire. People are going to disappoint us and let us down. We're all human and we all make mistakes. But God is faithful. And the beauty of it all is that as we seek to follow Jesus and allow his love to fill our hearts and souls, God does a transforming work within our heart in order for us to be able to love as he does in our marriages, in our families, and in our world. May we so seek him. At this time, before prior to moving into our service of Holy Communion, I'd like for us to enter into a time of silent prayer. I want you to take this time and pray for those who may be struggling in their marriage or struggling in some other way. You know, we all have battles that we fight. And so God is there to help us and to give us everything we need. I can testify to that. If you want to know particulars, I'll give you the particulars. God showed up in mighty, powerful ways when I turned to him and said, Lord, I can't deal with this. I need you. And he will be there for you and for others as well. But let's take this time and just pray for those that we know are struggling. Maybe your own marriage you pray for. It may be someone else's marriage. If you're single, pray for singleness. You know, sometimes God doesn't call us to be married. Sometimes he calls us and he blesses us in singleness. So remember that. Whatever He gift he has given us, whether it's marriage or singleness, it is a gift from him. And he can use us mightily in, in service to him wherever we are. Two, becoming one in this society is not easy. This society teaches us to be independent rather than interdependent. But let us also think about taking this time to thank God that he is faithful and pray that we may prove to be faithful to our God as well. And we'll open the altar if you want to come and kneel at the altar and pray. Please come forward, but if you want to sit at your seats and pray, that's okay too. Let's go to to God in, in silence. After a brief time, I'll close this in prayer. Most gracious God, we thank you for your faithfulness to us. Lord, we, um, sometimes we fail, but you never fail. And we thank you for that. Lord, we thank you for the gift of life that you have given us, whether it is in singleness or whether it is in married life, that we are here to learn to receive your love And to give it away. That that is your intention for us. First to receive. So Lord let us seek your face. That you can speak to our hearts. Lord we we pray for those. Whose hearts may be hurting. Regardless of the situation. And we know that you are the great physician. The one who heals all things. 
So we pray for your Holy Spirit to come to heal hearts, to mend minds, to open us to your goodness. And we thank you again, Lord, that you are indeed a faithful God that we can call to about anything, and you will be there. It is in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit we pray. And all God's children said, Amen.